0: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Birthday to our dear uh, Danny Segura, who, for anyone who doesn't know, he's in Mexico City, yes, working, but also, I hope, having a great time uh, celebrating. He turned, what, he turned, like, 21 yesterday or something? I don't know. He's a a growing boy.
1: Yeah, he's, uh, I don't know how old Danny is, but he's doing great work. He had a great interview with Yaya Rodriguez, uh, which you can find on this YouTube
0: channel. Actually, watch that after we finish the A-side, right, Alex? Watch it right now. You know what? Put us on pause. It's a live stream anyway. You can – no, actually, no. That's a terrible idea. No. So stick with us. Definitely watch Danny's stuff later and I think some other interviews that he'll be ha- coming down, down the pipe this week. He, the man never stops. So uh, look forward to that uh, Mexico City coverage. And
1: let us know if there's an echo or anything I'm seeing. Us, um, saying I'm seeing a lot of comments saying it's better. I'm seeing a lot of comments saying there's a slight echo. Oh, I see. I don't know.
0: I am trying, guys. That's all you say. And some of these people are just trolls. So, like, I don't know who to believe. So, I, I say, you know what? Let's just roll. Let's just let it roll and uh, see how we go, Uh So,
1: well, we're going to get right into the comment section. I am reading your comments on the YouTube page. Uh, I'm, I am trying my best. I know you guys hate when I'm saying that. But we persevere. So, first question. What is happening with the welterweight division from Zaku, Zaku Kokegi, which we found out we are pronouncing that name correctly. Alex, hmm. I don't know if you remember that, but we are pronouncing. Who told you that? He commented and said, ah. just a heads up, uh,
0: you are pronouncing my name. We're getting a slight echo on Alex. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, a slight echo on me. Okay, I don't know. Well, you're, you're at the ones and twos, Jose. So uh, so everything looks That's-
1: golden on mine. So yeah. right it, I'm trying, guys. I might just have a natural echo in my voice. Maybe if, if anything, yeah. we'll, we'll figure this out. I have an echo cancellation software right now. So again, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying my darndest guys. So but yeah. we're going to get in. What is happening? all the way to a question from, from Zaku Kokegi. Colby said the UFC gave him a low ball offer. So he had turned, he turned down the fight with Usman. Then Usman turned down the fight with Masvidal. Where does the UFC go here with the welterweight division? So Alex, yes. Uh, Damon Martin did a great write up. He did interview Colby Covington on our site. Um, he, Colby Covington kind of pulled back the curtain on what Colby Covington said were, were dirty tactics, bad business, as he, as he called it, um, where the UFC offered him X amount of money to fight Robbie Lawler, and then they offered him less money to fight Kamara Usman for the championship. And he basically said he won't he'll only fight for his worth. Uh, they then offered to Hori Mazudal. Hori Mazudal immediately accepted it, and then they went to Kamaru, and then Kamaru was, I guess, looking for a little bit more money. And during that time, they they went to Nate Diaz and he said yes. And now we have, we once had Kamaru Usman versus Colby Covington for the UFC welterweight championship at UFC 244 Madison Square Garden. Now we have Nate Diaz versus Jorge Moswell versus Nate Diaz for the baddest MF title on the planet. So what does the UFC do with the welterweight division now, Alex?
0: I have an answer, but I would like to hear yours first. Well, the first thing I want to say is, and I can't believe, I, I can't believe I am saying it is that, it is hard not to be on Colby Covington's side here if if his story is true obviously that's his, that's one side i don't know if we're going if we should expect to hear Dana White or anyone from the UFC comment on the nego- the negotiations anytime soon but i'm inclined to believe Colby's side of it the UFC does not strike me uh, just based on what we know of their history as an organization, as an organization, and pardon me, I slung my words today, as an organization that is, uh, that actually feels it has to engage in these in good faith negotiations with its fighters. Because, uh, frankly, the UFC has so much leverage. We've talked about this a lot. The company has so much leverage. I mean, look what happened. They, they, they maybe lost this covington Usman main event and then got this Nate Diaz-Jorge Mazdal main event, which could be a bigger fight. I mean, they're certainly both more well-known at least among the fighting community, then, then, uh, then, coming to Usman. Usman is a great fighter. I I, 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 I would wager to say of the four names we mentioned, he, even though he's the champion, might have the least buzz around him. At, at least as far as people are talking about him, maybe it's because of his personality. Maybe it's because uh, I don't know his fighting style. I think Usman's great, but again, I don't know if you ask your average fan if they to 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 rank how popular they think all those guys are. Probably Diaz and. Mazvidal are one and two in some order, and then you have Covington, and then you have you have Usman. Um, so in that sense, I, I just want to say, as much as I know, soft segment of the fan base, including myself, you know, might not think a lot of Covington's antics. I I kind of have to support him in, in, if this is true. And they only made like a, a a a poor offer, especially to make less than his last fight. That just makes zero sense for a title fight. So again, we don't know the whole story, but if that story is true, you got to sympathize with Covington a little bit. So uh, I know he's made a bit of a mess of it. Uh, for the question itself, what's happening in the welterweight division, again, I don't have an answer for what's next. I will just say I don't know why this keeps happening to the welterweight division. There's so much talent there, and I feel like we were in this position a few years ago when Woodley was champ. Uh, and, and it would seem like there was all these promising matchups. And for some reason, just nobody could get on the same page and actually make the fights happen. I don't think that's going to happen this time. I think once this Masvidal-Diaz uh, thing is resolved, I, and I do think that Usman Covington will be booked eventually, and it will sort itself out. Maybe I'm just being optimistic, but fingers crossed let these fights happen and then and then if we end up still in this kind of junky position where we can't match people up then we should get worried
1: yeah i think the fight is still to make is Usman versus colby covington it's just a matter of when and i have the UFC, and you were you were there at the ufc vancouver fan q a and tyron woodley said like colby covington is an idiot like he's basically lost out on how many title fights like he should have fought tyron woodley and then said tyron only fought darren till should have fought tyron woodley and then said he fought Kamara Usman. now he should fight kamaru Usman, but now it's Nate Diaz versus Hori Masvidal. So, like, Colby Covington basically should have had three title fights, and he lost out on all three of them for for various reasons. He said he had like a what it was like a I can't he had some procedure done uh, mm-hmm. before the Darren Till fight, uh, and then they offered him what the fight in January, and he said no. And then I don't, it was a whole it was a whole thing with Colby Covington, and he basically, as I said, lost out on three title fights. Uh, and if the UFC truly is, maybe the UFC is just sick of it. Um, I mean, it's. If I had told you the UFC and a fighter had got into an argument over negotiations and the UFC just had it, just was fed up with it and
0: moved on, what would you say? I mean, again, like I said, I think that's absolutely the key. I, again, I don't even think fed up with it is necessarily the word. They just they just know what what, what 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 power they have and that they don't have to put up with it. They don't even have – they don't have to get to the point where they're fed up with it. They're just like, nope, we're moving on. We've got another matchup and boom, there there it was. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, Colby commented, I mean, he –
1: People say he doesn't sell fights, and people always point out that he had the lowest, what, ratings for the UFC ESPN era when he fought Robbie Lawler. But, like, (laughs) if you look at our numbers on our YouTube page, I mean, a lot of people watch Colby Covington talk. I mean, we went down, like, Danny Segura went down to ATT and he interviewed Colby Covington. So, people watch his YouTube videos, people watch his interviews. Maybe there's a little much oversaturation of Colby Covington right now, I feel like he's doing interviews with everyone on the planet. Like, it seems like every day he's either on our site or another site or on ESPN, on Ariel's show or going on a submission radio. So he's talking a lot of talk, but he's not fighting. And at the end of the day, you got to fight. And when he fought Ravi Lala, he looked great. He set all those records. Uh, but I also think that the the emergence of Hori Masvidal and Nate Diaz at this exact moment, Gave the UFC leverage and saying, "Okay, we don't need this title fight because this is the bigger fight anyway." Because if you put Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal on the same card as Kamara Usman versus Colby Covington, what what's the bigger fight? What would
0: sell more? Uh sorry, Jose, could you repeat that question? We just had some breaking news, break-in, which I'll mention after. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to black out on you like that. Sorry, go ahead. If you had Nate Diaz
1: versus Jorge Masvidal on the same card as Kamara Usman mm-hmm. and Colby Covington, and you put Kamara Usman and Colby Covington as the main event, and Nate Diaz, Jorge Masvidal as a three-round co-main event, yeah. what
0: would be the bigger – what would be the real main event in the fans' eyes? I'll tell you, I know for us. I and mean, again, you're talking about YouTube traffic numbers. I can guarantee also like website traffic and and buzz. Everyone would be talking about Diaz and Masvidal. They probably have the better sound bites. Again, I know some people like uh, you know Covington's shtick, so that's fine. Maybe maybe I'm wrong on that. But the Diaz Masvidal thing is it's such a again something that the UFC couldn't manufacture. Right. And that's that's the stuff that fans really latch onto. That's the stuff that fans latch onto. Other fighters latch onto. Um, that's what really gets I feel like really gets a division going, even beyond like actually when you necessarily don't have an intriguing title scene at the moment uh i think yeah I, just to answer your question yes masvidal diaz for sure would have the more buzz
1: 100 percent. so i think the emergence of those two big names like if you would have said Cory maswell sat out all of 2018 he didn't have a single fight in 2018 knocks out darren till violently and then sets the ufc record for fastest knockout ever back to back we were talking about how him and Nate diaz Emerged as the like those like Nate Diaz's went over Conrad McGregor and Corey Misal's went over Ben Askren are overnight superstars. Like they become they became massive deals. I mean, if you look at our like Corey Misal did like guest scrums, he did like a guest scrum at UFC Uruguay. He did a guest scrum at UFC 241. He did uh, the ATT Media Day, like all of those videos, all of those scrums, not one on ones, did more numbers than anyone else. And then outside of Nate Diaz's uh, pre-fight and post-fight press conference or pre-fight uh, media day scrum or a workout scrum. And then Jorge Masvidal's like – every, like, and then his post-fight press conference. So like those two are doing more numbers than anyone else. I know the UFC notices this. So again, the emergence of those two gave the UFC leverage to say, all right, if you want to take our offer, we're just going to give the fans what they want. And now you look like the bad guy.
0: Uh, now, I just – I'll just add one disclaimer for those listening. We know that, you know, website and YouTube metrics do not necessarily translate to pay-per-view buys or television ratings, but we're just giving you kind of the data that we have to work with. And uh, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, I will say I, I've I've never seen it go the other way where there's no interest uh, in someone like, you know, someone's articles, or someone's videos, and then somehow they're also like a, a massive peer-view draw. You know, it, it really, I think seeing that kind of interest online is at least a, a baseline for how the potential they could have to draw. Because um, if they're not even trying on that level, again, like watching our videos or reading articles on people's websites, they're probably not just going to magically uh, draw eyeballs whenever they fight. I agree. But I
1: think Darren Till said it best when I was backstage for I think it was UC 227. Yeah, it was when Henry Cejudo dethroned Demetrius Johnson and TJ Dillashaw knocked out Colby uh, – Colby uh, – Cody Garbrandt the second time mm-hmm. he was a guest fighter backstage and he goes mm-hmm. uh as much of an idiot as Colby Covington is <laughs> he does deserve the title fight like he said mm-hmm. that and then Tyron Woodley said the same thing at he did like one of those media luncheons uh before his fight against Camaro and he's like Colby Covington should be fighting me and it's not because he talks a lot of trash he is the interim champion I should be <laughs> fighting him and he yes. just talked himself out of it so for as much as everyone hates Colby Covington he deserves the title fight. There's no question. There is zero question in my mind that Colby Covington deserves to fight Kamara Usman. But hey, what if Nate Diaz and Hori might have like an insane. There's an insane finish, and then he gets skipped over again for Masvidal versus uh, be- Nate Diaz. Or why not make Masvidal versus Colby Covington? I mean, they already they're already hating. Like yeah. that's like a, like family feud right there. Like why
0: not but, make that? Yeah, I mean, look, they're, they're building up that feud uh, behind. I know everyone's telling me it's real. All this information is coming out that that's a real feud. I'm still kind of like, yeah, I still feel like that they're kind of building something up, keeping their options open. But uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they – again, maybe they were close. Maybe they weren't. These things happen, especially in the fight business. But either way, they're certainly dredging up good business, like you said, should that uh, matchup ever happen. Uh, Sorry, Jose, before I move on, I did want to say the the news that distracted me before. David Branch, we we just saw – USADA just announced a two-year suspension for UC middleweight David Branch uh, testing positive for a prohibited substance. So look for that story on uh, MMAfighting.com shortly. Well, I'm saying that... And then... Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I was just going to say, uh, sorry, what do we have we spent a lot of time in that first question, Jose. Sorry, what do we got next?
1: We did. We're going to move on. And while you answer this next question, I'm going to go get my headphones because I'm, a lot of people are telling me it's the feedback from my uh, computer and... So, basically, your audio coming out of my computer is being picked up by my microphone. Sure. So, I'm going to get my I, headphones while you answer the next question because hopefully I that can fixes put on headphones buttons. as well. well. Well, we'll we'll persevere on. Fights that need to happen <laughs> okay. from Ted Bear. Okay. A, a longtime yeah. commenter, Ted Bear. I grind my teeth at night thinking how badly we need Habib versus Tony to happen. Are there any other potential fights that need to happen? Any past fights that are equivalent? For example, Fedor versus Krokop. Jones-Cormier won. Like, that already happened, so I don't know what that is, but... Uh, basically any other fights I'm reading this off an iPad right basically any other fights uh, that you think need to happen or that we've missed out on in the past and while you answer that I'm going to go find headphones so the why is there an echo I see that comment right there
0: I'll be right back Uh, well I'm hearing this echo on my end because I may also need to get some headphones so let me answer this question first while Jose runs off and then uh, maybe I'll pass it back to him while I go get some headphones to fix the technical difficulties on my end but uh, what fights do you have? I see Fedor Krokop, You know, oh, I love that. But there's a sick because we've seen, as we've seen that fight. There's a sick part of me that still wants to see Fedor or Randy Couture. I, I know Randy. I, I don't think he's talked much about coming out of retirement. Uh, I, I'm sure there's a lot of people who think uh, he's well, he's well past. People think Fedor is well past, even though he's still competing. But that fight is it, 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 i think it would be like um Randy Couture uh, Nogueira if anyone remembers that very entertaining fight very classy fight if you can ever call an mma fight classy it was competitive uh i went the uh, it, i believe won the distance i don't think uh, uh Nogueira finished him but it was a good it was a good win for Big Nog and i i really feel like there's still an appeal to those and and that these fighters could get into these fights with quote unquote minimal damage again whatever that means when you throw two guys in the cage so uh i know that's uh that seems well 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 passes best before but I, I am still fascinated by it uh jones any other potential fights any past fights that were equivalent oh, oh okay I just said as hyped as habib tony uh man it's hard to imagine from a hype level uh yeah i'm sure there are fights that you could say were bigger than than habib and tony from a skill level I'm not the first person to say this. I think I'm echoing the thoughts of of, of other people. From Habib versus Tony might be the most high level uh, mixed martial arts matchup that you could book. Uh, I don't want to say ever, because again, I, I'm the person who always says, "20 years from now, you know, the, those the guy, the guys 20 years from now will blow away the guys now." But as of today, man, it's tough to beat Habib and Tony. Just, just we've seen. Even if you don't think Habib is like the greatest striker, and you think he's, you know, a, a one dimensional wrestler. Which is, I think, is wrong. His one dimension is insanely powerful. He, he might be, how do I phrase it? He might be the best uh, specialist ever in MMA. Like, I mean, as far as someone who's like, if, if you know, if we say Demian Maia is the best uh, at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, if we say I don't know, Adesanya is you know the best, or uh, Silva is the best uh, striker we've seen, him or him or Adesanya or any of those guys. I think no one has been more dominant. I think with their using that one. That one discipline than Habib. There's just there's just no stopping that wrestling. I, I know we have more Habib questions later. Oh, we have several Habib questions. So there's a lot of praise to be had there. But um, yeah. I I uh, and Tony, Tony is silver. So like, he's he's a very good wrestler as well. Uh, and he also I think is maybe the best scrambler. Uh, in, in MMA. So when you when you match up the best, at least at least at uh, sorry, 155 pounds. So when you match up the best scrambler with the best wrestler. Uh, and again, Tony's a guy who just doesn't quit and you give them 25 minutes to work, man, that is uh, pardon me. That is a, that is a tough one to beat, but uh, other dream matches we'd like to see, man, I, uh, there's kind of questions about Jose Aldo later, but I also feel like Jose Aldo moving up to 155 pounds would just create so many dream matchups. Again, the guys we just named, but maybe you want to see Aldo fight Habib. Maybe you want to see Aldo fight Tony Ferguson, you know, um, maybe you want to see McGregor and Aldo again at 155. I know a lot of people still see that as, as unresolved, uh, you know, or quote unquote lucky punch. I don't know about that, but it certainly was unsatisfying, especially if you're an Aldo fan. Uh, if you're a McGregor fan it's probably the greatest moment ever. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think someone like an Aldo coming up to 155. um, again, I, I know we'll touch upon these later. There's questions about Aldo. I see some questions about, uh, other fighters moving weight classes, but yeah, absolutely. That'd be a spectacular fight. And then this isn't even before, you know, you get into a cross promotion. Like I think beau would do uh doing the ufc or against some of the ufc's talents you know he's been a, he's been a mainstay 145 forever he's their current Tour champion and uh, uh he also believes i think most people say he could fight at 135 so think about those matchups think about like a, a Patricio pitbull versus uh, cody garbrandt i mean uh you know we could fantasy book all day but uh, yeah, it's it's great. I, I, I like this question because, I, you know, I know we get bogged down in the business of it. I mean, the previous question, we're talking about the, you know, speculating about the inner workings of the UFC and what's going on in Colby Cup in his head. And sometimes it's just fun to say, man, what fights would happen? What fights should happen? And uh, And what fights were great? So... so- i'll i'll carry on here uh jose oh Jose, you're back i'm sorry I didn't yeah, hello.
1: so the problem is and alex you're muted you are muted right this second is i don't know what the the output settings are wonky so when you're talking i'm just going to automatically mute myself because that is the fix so no one can hear you right now uh so but i'll fix this when you answer your next question i just wanted to chime in uh because i saw our own daniel segura comments on in the comment section on youtube is uh Anderson Silver versus George St. Pierre, I still think, is the biggest uh, missed opportunity in the history of mixed martial arts. Randy Couture versus Fedor is a big one. I know there was that whole talking of Brock Lesnar versus Fedor. They wanted that massive fight uh, way back in the day. Brock Lesnar even did one of those rare interviews where he talked about Fedor. Remember we got the Randy Couture versus uh, Fedor stare downs that one time where they faced off It was like a it was like a it was like a video game uh, kind of thing. There's a lot of there's a lot of fun fights that we missed out on currently. Uh, fights that i really want to see if you look back on my twitter i said i want to see brian ortega versus the korean zombie back in 2016 i've been asking for that fight and i actually asked brian ortega about that when i interviewed him at UC 241 he goes i'll fight him wherever and i know uh, korean zombies uh management company or agency like is a hip-hop like management company too so they're kind of building this feud through social media where korean zombies like the nicest man in the UFC. I mean, he politely called out Frankie Edgar. He's like, Frankie Edgar, it would be a true honor to fight you. Uh, and I think we would put on a great fight. Like, that's how he called out Frankie Edgar. And now all of a sudden Korean Zombie is is, t- is taking to Twitter and Instagram to call out Brian or taking all that stuff. So to me, that's the fight I really, really want is those two five rounds i don't want a three-round fight that has to be a five-round main event i think that'd be an awesome espn card it should have been happening in mexico city brian ortega said there was something that fell apart between his management and the ufc but he's still down there uh he's just severely heartbroken that he couldn't fight korean zombie on that on that card he wants to supposedly he wants to fight him on the december card in las vegas but again i don't want that to be a three-round fight i want that to be a five-round fight so for me that's the fight that we're missing out on right now. Uh, but other than that, pretty much any, everything you said, Alex, is I agree with. Uh, is there anything – any other names or opponents, uh, possible fights uh, that we've missed out on or that you're hoping to see that we might not get to see?
0: So suddenly, this just popped in my head because uh, I just I, – I feel like uh, we missed out a lot on Nick Diaz coming over. And then there was a lot of potential fights that could have happened. I mean the Andrew Silver thing was super cool. It's just a shame that again, it's uh, you know all the stuff. And if he's retired, that's great. If he's happily retired, then you know, happy trails to uh, to Nick Diaz, whatever the case is there. But uh, I, I I know I was funny. I'm struggling to come up with a name now. I, I, I was going to say Nick Diaz, Tyron Woodley, which is the fight Woodley wanted for so long. Uh, now I don't know how much cachet that would have, given that Diaz has been gone for so long. Woodley's coming off a loss, but yeah, I, I do wish that uh, we could see Nick Diaz match up with some of these some of these welterweights today, because uh, you know he's always been one of the most entertaining fighters, and and I think he'd be competitive against almost anyone. So.
1: I could not agree with you more. I know for a long time I really wanted it. Uh, I was on the ba- I was tweeting for like a while, like once a week. I was like, we need Paul Daly versus Michael Venom Page in my life right this second. And then we got that fight, you know, and then we saw exactly what happened. But we're going to move. On. And if you guys have any, because I'm seeing a lot of John Jones versus Johnny Walker, I'm seeing a lot of that in the YouTube comments right now, which I think is a very fun fight. Uh, but Johnny Walker still has some work to do. I'm saying, oh my God, thank you so much to this commenter right now. This new software we have where I can see comments coming in live. Thank you so much for reminding me about this. Robbie Lawler versus Nick Diaz part two. I have been waiting for it since their first fight. Nick, it won't happen. Nick Diaz is like, quote unquote, retired. Nick Diaz has had that interview where he's like, I don't want to fight Robbie Lawler again. Those hurt. Those punches hurt. So, thank you for reminding me about that that is the number one fight in my mind robbie Lawler versus nick diaz part two it'll never happen it will never happen uh but again we're gonna move on right away uh shout out to ak lee johnny walker versus michelle Pajeta. someone wants that so i know alex would be all about that We're, we're we're gonna move right along from grin n on the comment section do you think habib would do you think Habib would be as dominant if he would be fighting in a ring instead of an octagon? Hmm. How do you think his style would differ at all? Alex, that is a very interesting question. How would you – you've watched – I'm sure you've watched the Ryzen fights. You've watched Darren Caldwell Horaguchi. Darren Caldwell was uh, – uh, he said it would be different if it was in a cage rather than a ring. Would Habib be as dominant if he was inside a ring like in a Ryzen or a Pride or I know one championship has done fights. You saw what happened to Sage Northcutt when he fought in a ring. He wasn't ready for it. What would he be as dominant? You, you're the look you have right now is very intriguing for those of you who are listening. He looks like he wants to unleash something. So, Alex
0: Jose, I almost don't want to answer this question because Grin and Grin and I appreciate the contribution, but he used the and you corrected him when you were reading out the question. He wrote, he did not write the word, uh, do you think would could be Habib would be as dominant? He said, do you think Habib would be as dominate if he were fighting? Let me, people. Dominate and dominant are different words. Okay, I see this all the time on social media. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I, I'm I'm not. It's not. I'm not singling out. Grinning. A lot of people do this. You dominate something. It is a verb. Dominant is is an adjective. Do, he is a dominant champion. Would he be as dominant? Okay, they are not interchangeable. Please, people. I know it seems like a small typo, but it, the, the meaning is is it, it's just different. It's 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 completely different. The context in which you use those words. Dominate is a verb dominant is an adjective what was the question oh yes when I saw this question Jose I actually thought about the m1 ring which is unique I have people who haven't seen the m1 ring it actually has a little fence uh, beneath the, uh, the 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 bottom rope and and the the mat so it's partially fenced and then the and then the rest of the ropes are normal so in that situation I don't know how different that would be for Habib I, I know he does a lot of work against the cage he's a masterful clinch uh you know clinch fighter and uh, and of course chain wrestler uh, the ropes might limit that uh would he be less effective in some ways? For sure. There's also there's also the angles. I think uh, the biggest one people talk about is is Krokop. When Krokop came over to the Octagon, it was it was hard to cut people off, uh, and and Khabib in his own way needs to do that as well. I know I know it's not the same thing. He's not looking for kickboxing angles, but definitely being able to cut people off and smother them is essential to his game. Uh, do I think his style will be that much less effective? Uh, no. You know it's it's hard to speculate. Uh, I, I do feel like. Uh, we should be able to dig up, uh, you know, uh, uh, footage of him fighting before the UFC. I, I don't. I, I imagine he hasn't fought uh, in a cage this whole time because uh, some of his cousins who who are fighting over in uh, in Russia, who use a similar style, are also great wrestlers. Are also doing very well, and they have fought in rings. So, you know, not not to discredit the question, with the exception of the bad grammar. Uh, I don't think the style would change that much. Uh, I think he'd be just as effective. I think he's again, he's arguably the best fighter in the world today.
1: Couldn't agree with you more. I don't know if he's the best fighter in the world today. I think that title still goes to John Jones until he loses. I mean, because say what you want about the Tiago Santos performance where a lot of people thought he lost. A W is a W. He still won. He's still the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. Uh, he said that if he if I think he needs a he needs a performance like he did against Alexander Gustafson, where he just went out there and mauled him and finished him. But then his back to back decisions, his illegal knee against Anthony Smith, I think kind of hurt his his standings with a lot of fighters. But I think I think John is number one, but Habib would be 1A or, I mean, 1B or right close behind him in two. But I agree with everything you said. Uh, I know that's going to sound like a broken record when I say that, but I think you hit it on the head. Uh, Krokop is a perfect example of when fighters come over. I think maybe that Fedor, I don't know if he felt that when he came over from Pride and then he fought in force a little bit. I know he did have those big performances. But again, Fedor's style of fighting doesn't rely overly on the cage or the ring, I mean, he was much more of a complete MMA fighter, where he could slug it out in the center or grapple or sambo and all that stuff. He's not one of those grind him out kind of fighters uh, like like Habib. But again, I think you hit it right on the head uh, with everything you said about. Again, I'm sure you watch Ryzen a lot more than I do. I try to watch as, as much as possible. It's just super late over here, uh, and but I'm very excited for the One Championship fights too, with Demetrius Johnson, Eddie Alvarez, and all that stuff. But moving right along, uh, we're getting a lot of. Qu-
0: Dominate is a verb. Dominant is an adjective. All right. Sorry, that wasn't for you. That's for everyone else in the world who makes that mistake. Well
1: said, Alex. Moving right along because we got three questions asking about our audio levels. saying we'll start a GoFundMe for a pair of headphones and a microphone. Don't do that. We got it squared away. I'm seeing the comments. We're good right now. So don't do that. But anyway, what's next for Glover from Eduardo Bueno who's been commenting since even before I took over? What's next for Glover? He's now 3-0 and on a row with two finishes. I know he doesn't look like a top contender, but with another win, he could enter the discussion. So who's next? Cold, Anthony Smith, Vulcan, et cetera, et cetera. So yes, Alex, Glove to share, defeating Nikita Krylov this past weekend at UFC Vancouver. You were there. Uh, I thought it was a really fun fight. There's a, a lot more grappling than I expected. A lot of uh, fun scrambles, a lot of uh, submission attempts, Submission. a uh, lot of great submission defense. Very fun fight. I think an underrated fight on the card. Uh, But I think for what's next for him, there's a lot of very key light heavyweight fights coming up that we need to see play out before we can really gauge not just Glover but the state of the division. Because, look, we have Chris Wyden versus Dominic Reyes. Uh, We got Corey Anderson versus Johnny Walker. Uh, Now we have uh, Jacare Sosa jumping up to fight Jan Blakovic. Uh, in UFC Sao Paulo. So there's a lot of light heavyweight fights uh, and he's not going to get the with John Jones, obviously. But like, if you look, uh, Thiago Santos still, I'm looking at the rankings right now. It's like his knee exploded against John Jones. He needs to rehab. Dominic Ray is booked. Jan Blackwood's booked. Alexander Cushison, quote unquote, retired. Uh, Corey Anderson booked. Vulcan Ozdemir, they're right. Eight, nine. That'd be a good one, I think. Uh, He wants to fight in Sao Paulo. I don't, I mean, I know uh, the last time Vulcan never fought when he fought Ilir Latifi. It was originally in, I think, the United States, but then he couldn't get the visa. He had visa issues, so he had to move it to Uruguay because he could actually fight there. So maybe if that's still the case, they do fight in the UFC Sao Paulo. I don't know. Uh, But what would you say? I just listed a lot, and again, like Alexander Ratchik is out there. I mean, he doesn't have a fight booked right now. Uh, So what are from someone who was there and spoke to Glover? I know he talked about Corey Anderson, but he he
0: has a fight booked. What is next for Glover to share? man, isn't he? He's such a sweet man. And I'll tell you what's next for him is I, I really feel like I would love <laughs> – this is not going to happen. I'd love to see Glover develop some – he's at the point in his career where he should be trying to make as much money as possible because he's he's entrenched in that top five, uh, unfortunately, for the UFC. I just think you know there was a time when the top five was like uh, – what was it? John Jones, Cormier, like Leona Machida, Shogun, something like that. And it was just so hard to break in. And, and now that's not the case anymore, of course. But it, it was a long stretch. And now uh, and Glover's in there now too. And he's just so hard to get out. He's such a great fighter. Like I said, the fight with Krylov, I mean uh, – he showed a lot of. He had to show a lot of resolve. He almost got choked. I think it was in the second round. And uh, it's funny. Karlov has never even gone to a decision before, so that was that was unique. And 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 I showed uh, against a guy who's a lot younger than him. That he sells a lot of gas tank left. And we're getting a little, uh, a little weird down there. Your audio just your audio, and I. It, it's not on my my it. end. It's on your end. Your audio went ballistic. Okay, well, uh, hopefully it's okay now. So uh, the thing is, I'd love to see him. He, he, every Anytime you interview Glover, it's always, well, you know, whatever the UFC wants to do, I'm a company man. But he's won three straight fights. He should be making demands. Uh, like I said, what demand could he realistically make, given that the na- there's a lot of names out there that are already paired up? I, I don't know. I could see them. Uh, I, I like the Uzdimir thing. I think that's the one that probably makes the most sense for an overseas card. Um, I could see them randomly maybe rematching him with with Gustafsson. Uh, I, I, the, but I, I, I would also see that I think the matchmakers look at him, uh, unfortunately, as a guy to, as a gatekeeper. Maybe a guy to build up, like you said, a rocket Reyes, if he gets past Weidman. Or Weidman, if he gets past Reyes. Maybe they use uh Teixeira to welcome some of these middleweight guys that are coming up. So, it, it, it's unfortunate that every time we bring up the, that we're talking about now, it's not necessarily what's next for him. It's uh, how can the UFC use him to maybe advance another fighter, which again, it's, it sounds an awful thing to say, but that might be uh, the stage of the career he's at, unless he rattles off some crazy six or seven fight win streak and they have no choice but to match him up with John Jones. But that does seem doubtful.
1: Uh, yeah. I think the Uzumir is the one to make just based on the rankings, but uh, I think it also really depends. And I, This is my answer for a lot of these things when there's a fight. There's so many fights in someone's weight class. We have to see how they play out. Because for all we know, Johnny Walker and Corey Anderson is a war. And they both get six-month suspensions. Like, Anthony Smith, he just beat Alexander Gustafson in a very impressive win. But then he had to have, what, two surgeries to recover from that fight? So he's out. Like, he won and he's still out. So we really need to see who's available after these. Because for all we know, Chris Wyman, his his last fight was, what, UFC 230 last November? And now he's fighting one year later in a new weight class. Like, say... He gets hurt again. Uh, we have to really find we have to figure out what we have to see who comes out unscathed before we can fantasy book right now. But Vulcan Ozumir is free. Why not book it? Uh, he's the only one left uh in that in that top ten that he hasn't really fought or isn't booked. Ratchik would be awesome. I don't know if they wanna I don't know if they want to go that route yet, but I think Vulcan Glover, maybe on that Sao Paulo card, would be is the one to do. And then all and then at that point, all of those light heavyweights. Are on the same timeline all of a sudden because now they've all had fights within a couple months, maybe even a couple weeks, maybe even a couple, yeah, maybe a week or two between each other, and now they're all on the same, the same timeline. The champion still doesn't have a fight, even though he was teasing one. I know Daniel Segura said that maybe he's teasing John Jones versus Anthony Johnson at heavyweight. One can one can only hope. But we're gonna move
0: right along because I know you want to answer this question. I do want to ask sorry, I do want to. Vol- if Volkan, like, knocks out Teixeira, uh and gets himself back into the title fight. Hey, him and John Jones somewhere down the road, fresh matchup.
1: I did forgot to unmute myself. Yeah, I like that, too. Uh, but, again, bear with me on this. I have to keep bouncing back and forth between muting and unmuting because my life is never easy when it comes to audio. But we're going to move along because I know Alex really wants to answer this question from Lodovic, Michelle Fedeira. Alex has been waiting to talk about this guy. He was a little disappointed that he didn't have an open workout at the UFC Vancouver open workout. So what did you think of his fight and how do you see his future? Did you enjoy that kind of style with techniques like backflips that are probably dangerous to himself while perfectly harmless to his opponent? Is that even fighting or did he invent a completely new sport where one guy dances while the other one is fighting? Should there be another set of judges who scored as a dance competition? I really don't know what question makes sense here. Hope at least you do. Thanks as always. So, Alex, you were there. You witnessed Michelle Pineda's performance against Tristan Connolly where he came up short, but that what those first sixty seconds, ninety seconds were <laughs> wild. I mean, our own Esther Lynn caught them all on uh caught them all on camera. You can go look at them on our Instagram page, they're all there. There's like backflips, there's jumps off the cage, there's flying knees, there's everything. Uh he you even saw him do some crazy stuff at the at the ceremonial weigh ins. You saw him warming up backstage where it looked like he was on a uh, uh, trampoline, just jumping up and down backstage on the mat. So, as someone who was there, what was it like live, and what is next with Michelle Pereira? Uh,
0: okay, well, unfortunately, I was not cage side. I, I I was uh, doing scrums backstage. I, I I considered abandoning some scrums backstage, but I couldn't do that to some of these hardworking fighters. So I will say, uh, while well, I was in the building, and certainly got a taste of the the vibe. I I regret not uh, not seeing the uh, not seeing him up close and personal. Though maybe in this case it was a good thing, uh, given that he did not win, and uh, some people were very down on his performance. Now, uh, first of all, it says something about uh, Pereira's the magic of Michelle Pereira that one of our most experienced commenters, Lodovic, was at, I, even at a loss to kind of phrase how to how to question uh, uh, you know Pereira. But yeah, look, he'll be fine. I, I think Michelle Pereira will be fine. If if if, if what you loved. What we loved about him was not just that he, you know, knocked out Danny Roberts. All the spectacle is part of it. Uh, is it part of a winning strategy? I mean, that's that's what he'll argue. I believe in his statement he released this week uh, or in his interview, it might have been his interview with our own Guillermo Cruz. He said, look, that's all misdirection. Those flips actually do distract people and set things up. And, of course, when he wins by knockout, oh, you can't argue. It's like, you know, oh, well, he did all that stuff. Uh, maybe it did work. Maybe, maybe that's why Danny Roberts uh, w- was caught off guard by, by the strike that eventually put him down. Uh, if you want to believe that, I say go ahead and choose to believe that. I kind of do. I think there's there is something to be said about misdirection, uh, but obviously, you know, he's doing a lot of it. You know, just for show. Uh, just you just based on the fact that if you watch this fight, in the Danny Roberts fight, he opened. He kind of did the exact same moves. He did the he did the backflip. He did the rolling thunder. He did the the jump off the cage, and it was almost all in the same order. So uh, so I don't know how people feel about that when it feels like it's rehearsed. And not so much like, uh, you know, not so much improvised and part of the moment. So so in that sense, I could totally understand people, you know, kind of already rolling their eyes at his act if it, is, if it does become contrived. Um, but, you know, look, he had a lot of excuses. Uh, his team wasn't able to make it because of visa issues. He cuts an insane amount of weight. That's completely on him. I think he should move up to 185. I believe he can make 170 should he be doing that is that optimal for him i don't think so um but look fighting is entertainment so you're asking me is it fighting yeah it's fighting and it's entertainment it's all in one i, I don't think he's going to change i don't think he has to change uh, and uh, look all it's going to take is one more if he gets back in the win column this whole discussion is going to be forgotten i'm sure he'll still have his haters but i'm sure he'll saw people like myself and a lot of other um people who enjoy his act so uh no i, I think his future is one at 185 hopefully and secondly, no, that he'll remain as, as insane as ever.
1: Yeah, I think he's going to – I think he, he'll get one more shot at welterweight, and if he misses again – he only missed by, what, a pound, if I'm not mistaken? So it's not like it was – a pound is a pound. I get that. He missed. But it's not like he's coming in nine pounds over like Kelvin Gasolin did before he fought Tyron Woodley, and he had to go up to 185. Like, if he can get that one pound in check and he can make 170, make it healthy – because, again, like, I don't care if you can make the weight. If you can, It's a matter of making it healthy. If you can make it and stay healthy, then by all means stay a welterweight. But if he misses again, go up to 185. And if he can keep that energy at 185, there's a lot of fun fights there. I mean, imagine – like, they're never going to fight. But, like, crazy Israel Adesanya versus Michelle Panetta inside an octagon would be bananas. But at the end of the day, Michelle Panetta needs to win. Uh, I know he, he, he compared himself with Anderson, where he was like, Anderson was showboating and doing all this, and everyone loved him, and he was winning, and then as soon as he lost, everyone criticized him. But at the end of the day, he was still winning, and he was still the champion. You're one, one and one in the UFC. Uh, your first fight was unbelievable, uh, but this fight, you missed weight. You did your dance at the ceremony weigh-ins, even though you missed weight. It took you like seven minutes to get to the octagon because you had a choreographed dance, which is fine, but again, don't do it if you miss weight. And then you come up short to a guy who Tristan Connolly took the fight on short notice. And isn't that not even his natural weight? So like Tristan Connolly took that fight on short notice, fought a real, fought his style of fight, came in with nothing to lose, won, and got 100,000. Tristan Connolly got $100,000 post-fight bonus because Michelle Panetta missed weight. So he, was, he wasn't he was qualified to make to get the post-fight bonus. So he got the fight of the night. He got both of them. He got $100,000. And he gets twenty percent of Michelle Panetta's purse because he missed, wait, so Tristan Connolly took a fight on what, like six, seven days notice, goes in there, beats this man, uh, beats a real-life video game character, and leaves like $120,000 richer, for all I know. So Tristan Connolly was, yeah, Justin Gaethje knocked out Don Cerrone, and he's probably going to get a title shot soon, but in my mind, Tristan Connolly was the biggest winner of that weekend at UC Vancouver. I don't see a lot of questions about him, but I'm going to ask you. What was Tristan Connolly like backstage? Was anybody giving him a shot before the
0: fight? Uh, just your thoughts on Tristan Conley's performance as someone who was. Uh, first of all, don't say that uh, Michelle Pereira and Israel Adesanya will never happen. If, if Michelle Pereira and Israel Adesanya never happens, what was all this? What was this whole MMA thing for? Why? Why are we doing this? That would like. I'll say it every week until people are sick of me. and They probably already are. MMA is supposed to be fun. I know it's a sport now. I know it's competitive. I know it's mainstream. MMA is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be an experiment to see, again, what what would these different styles do in the cage? Winning and losing was like secondary, right? So... Hopefully that fight happens somehow, whether it's Pereira fights the way to the top or Adesanya maybe suffers a loss and then they somehow get matched up that way. It has to happen. It'd be just an amazing spectacle. Uh, Tristan Connolly, the story of probably one of the top three stories of the weekend after not even being on the UFC's radar as of, you know, two weeks ago. Uh, I spoke to him briefly before the fight and incredibly, he predicted exactly what would happen. Like he, he'd he seen Michelle Pereira fight. He said he had guys in his gym who were uh, who had Capereira experience, who threw techniques like that. He wasn't worried about that. He he had heard that the, the guy was having trouble with the weight cut. He expected him to tire, which is exactly what happened. Uh, per himself admitted again post fight comments that he almost quit in the second round. He was so exhausted. Uh, so Connolly, very humble guy, very sweet, sweet, good, Cana- good old Canadian boy uh as uh, uh David Shaw executive David Shaw said later he's just so canadian and like you know um and he was fighting and you know, he's from victoria but uh, certainly representing vancouver british columbia uh he showed out in front of the fans so great story for him yes hopefully we see him at lightweight next i think i think I, welterweight is definitely out of the question uh he'll go down to 155 pounds and i'll be honest with you he said it himself if he, if he had fought a more well-rounded fighter he has no idea how it would have gone you know he had this very specific plan for this guy uh so, if this is, but I'll tell you, if this is the peak of, of Connolly's career, he's like a twenty-fight veteran, thirty-three years old. It's it's a pretty good peak, and and a story he'll always have, uh, and something to bring back to the gym uh, forever.
1: Yeah, I can just say through the television, that crowd is going bananas for 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 their own Tristan Connolly. Uh, I'm getting, I'm not gonna, not gonna lie, I didn't think he would win. I thought, I, I thought he, if it got past the second round, he would probably win going into that fight, just based on how Michelle Paredes, Uh his, la- his style of fighting goes. I mean, you've covered him enough times on Missed Fist, so I wasn't unfamiliar with his name when he made his debut against Danny Roberts. And We saw what he did against Danny Robertson. That was so quick that, yes, that was an exciting fight, but in my mind, I'm like, there's still a lot I want to see between this guy, but from this guy, especially the cardio. He did do that interview with Gary Cruz saying he-, he has cardio for three rounds, but he, need- he's got- he might need to have cardio for five rounds. I was like, what if he won? What if he won, and he's on a two-fight win streak, say he knocked out Tristan Connolly, and he went in another insane finish. And then he has a main event fight, and he's like, I have cardio for three rounds. Like, you're going to need cardio for five rounds, my man. You're going to need more than three rounds. But we're going to move sure. right along, because me and Al's talked about Michelle Pineda for a long time. Uh, WME Under Armour from SJY, and I'm going to preface this where I have not done nearly as much research on this as I should have. I know our own Damon Martin and our new Steve Morocco probably will know more about this than us, but... W, WME Under Armour. Will Under Armour be the next UFC clothing sponsor? WME hired Kenny Chandler, former U, uh, Under Armour head of HR, as the new head of HR, and more recently Tom Brady and The Rock. Both Under Armour deals, uh, both Under Armour athletes, tweeted about Zhang's, Zhang Wiley's before her title fight. So I did notice all of these things, but I didn't put the pieces together until I read this question. I know the Reebok deal what started at UC 189, which was when Connor and Chad Mendes fought, that was the first time they had the Under Armour deal. I mean, if you follow the breadcrumbs, may, probably, but I don't know 100%. So I'm going to pass this on to you. I know a lot of the people on our own side, especially our own David Martin, probably has a lot more thoughts on this. Hopefully he can be on the A side sometime. Uh, but
0: your thoughts, Alex. Uh, look, I'm no expert on it either, but I don't know there's a lot to say about it because the Reebok deal uh, is an, uh, the exclusive Reebok deal goes on until 2021. Now, if we're asking after the Reebok deal, does Under Armour make sense? Yeah, sure, sure. But uh, its I don't think it's even something to discuss because uh, keep in mind, uh, again, the Reebok deal is, you know, exclusive for fight weeks, weigh-ins, uh, the fight night itself, of course. Uh, could they sign – could they have – you know, could they work with Under Armour in, like, now? Uh, yes, but it would – again, it would be this weird side deal where it's like, oh, you'd have UFC fighters – um, sponsoring the clothing at other events and like on social media, it, it would probably would not be a good investment for under armor at this point, uh, not having their products, uh, during fight weeks and fight nights when the fighters have the most exposure. So, uh, so the answer to the chance to the question, yes, I think they will be the next UFC clothing sponsor. It just won't be for another couple of years. So, uh, good. It's a good question though. It's a good question. And a good point to be brought up for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, George St. Pierre was sponsored by under armor too, and he was still fighting, but, uh, it's like the NFL where Tom Brady is sponsored by Under Armour. He just, what he has to wear Nike when he plays. But again, I realize the NFL and the UFC are not the same where Tom Brady can, they like Under Armour can afford not to be on the field with Tom Brady because Nike gets their money from the NFL and this and that. And then, Under Armour gets their money from Tom Brady doing all those commercials where he also sponsored by Uggs and like these fancy watches and everything. He's not wearing Uggs on the field. He can still be sponsored by Uggs off the field. I know a lot of fighters probably like I see a lot of the CBD sponsors nowadays where CBD people are sponsoring the UFC. The fighters, the CBD companies are sponsoring fighters. They just can't wear the logos and stuff on uh inside the octagon and more pagans a perfect example she has a lot of sponsors she just can't wear them and all that stuff when she fights but i think there's very special athletes like george, george saint pierre could get sponsored by under armour and i think under armour could afford not to be on his trunks when he's fighting because he's such a big name that they're not in the red if they're not being if he's
0: not there if it's not apparent on fight week if that makes sense Yeah. Again, I I don't have much to add to that point. Like you said, the, if, if if could we expect to see individual deals? Like I think the better thing is, yeah, could Wei Li Zhang have her own Under Armour sponsorship at some point? Especially if, even if uh, you know doing that kind of work in China. Uh, yeah, we could see that. But but the, I believe the question was uh, the next UFC clothing sponsor. So again, that's that's a, that's a more complicated issue, and again, something we won't see resolved for at least a couple of years. And I, I do want to add SJY also replied to himself and said
1: that The Rock and Tom Brady are actually also uh, represented by WME. So maybe that has something to do with it too, not just the underarm thing, but it's like them looking out for their own. Like when uh, you see a lot of fighters who are under the same management uh, uh, banner kind of post stuff about Instagram and stuff like that. Conor McGregor has done that with Tony Ferguson before they split. But we're going to move right along from Trumbo, Yoana Champion. If you want to beat Michelle Waterson, which—and I'm saying this for people who are listening and aren't watching—like this is his words or her, I don't know. If you want to beat Michelle Waterson, which she should. She's most certainly next for the title. How do you like her chances in that? She seemed to be very tentative to engage in the last two fights against powerful strikers Rose and Valentina. She seems to have lost confidence in her striking, which doesn't bode well for her versus Zhang. After six title defenses and 10-0 and start, she's now facing a potential fourth loss in her, in her last four title fights. Where would she go from there? Also, where's Jose Aldo? Any word? Signed an eight-fight deal, lost to Volkanovski, and nothing except the bantamweight talk. So, but we're going to start with Ioana uh, Janjajic, who is fighting Michelle Watterson. But again, she still has to beat Michelle Watterson first. And yes, I would favor her over Michelle Watterson, but there's no guarantees in the fight game. She has to win first. But if she does lose, that means she's lost to Rose twice. She's lost to Valentina. uh, And now she would have lost to Michelle Watterson. But again, it wouldn't be a title fight. But say she does beat Michelle Watterson and then she goes to fight Wiley Zhang. Wiley Zhang is a very uh, tall, uh, flyweight or strawweight, I should say. Uh, she's very muscular strawweight. Yoana uh, did great against uh, Jessica Andrade, but Wiley Zhang did even better against Jessica Andrade where she knocked her on, what, like 50 seconds? So uh, what are your thoughts on Wiley Zhang's uh, what possible fight between Zhang and Ioana and Janjic, where Ioana and Janjic goes from here? I don't quite agree with that. She's lost confidence in her striking. I just think Rose put together a good game plan, and then she just fought a bigger, superior fighter, at a weight class that she hadn't fought in in a while. So I don't
0: quite agree with that, but I'd like to hear your thoughts, Alex. Yeah, uh, she certainly hasn't lost confidence in her striking because if you ask her, she'll tell you that she won the second Rose fight. So confidence is not an issue for, uh, for Joanna. Uh, uh, let, let Rose might just be the perfect matchup for her. Uh, Valentina, I think, is just better. Um, you know, Let's not take anything away from Valentina. I don't think it has anything to do with Joanna. I, th- I think the, the Joanna that fought Valentina and that might be as good as any Joanna we've seen. It just wasn't good enough. Val- Valentina's a little bigger. She's just a better. Fu- she's just a better striker. Uh, she'd beaten Joanna kickboxing several times. So, uh, so that that's the story there. Zhang, man, it, it feels like she's so fresh still. Like, because I think uh, what was that was her fourth UFC fight, right? The uh, the Jessica Andrade fight. So, and she was so dominant, and she looks great in her other fights. She she hasn't really. It, it's tough to gauge how. It's odd to say. It's tough to gauge how someone is when you haven't really seen them. Uh, struggle. You haven't seen them openly struggle. Like I said, every fight's a struggle. I'm sure there's moments in that fight that if you ask Zhang or her team, that she'll tell you that like, oh yeah, you know, we. it might look like we we won this fight easily, but this part was difficult, this part was difficult. But, uh, uh, you know, Joanna would present a whole new, a whole new challenge. Uh, now, I, I would certainly pick Zhang now. Uh, I picked against her in the Andrade fight because I think as we all know, uh, when it comes to picking fights, anyone who's read my predictions on the site, uh, I'm an idiot. So, I'm trying to be smart now, or at least listen to people that are smarter than me, and uh, and and use the data at hand. Uh, Wei Li Zhang, unbeaten in the UFC so far, uh, something like a 20 fight win streak. So I would certainly favor her over Joanna, but it, it it would be uh, it would be you know Zhang's toughest challenge yet. So Joanna, uh, a great opponent. I, I, I when I say resume builder, I mean that with the greatest respect to Joanna Jacek. But Joanna uh, and Zhang headlining possibly another card. In, uh, in China or somewhere in Asia, I think would be spectacular. Um, but I do like the champs' chances of retaining uh, for now.
1: Yeah, I think because uh, and Njajic also said she turned down, I, I believe it was in a, she was on Eurobash or with Pizza <clears throat> Carroll where she turned down a fight with Wiley Zhang three times yeah. uh, because she felt like the UFC was trying to use her to propel Wiley Zhang or Zhang Wiley uh, to uh, t- like into title contention. She basically said she needed me and now she's the champion. So uh, they might have to fight. And now like, maybe it worked out for you on it. Maybe she beats Michelle Watterson. And now her fight against Wiley Jane, which the UFC obviously really wanted, is now an even bigger deal. Uh, so I will, I'll, like, Wiley Zhang is obviously the the, the the fighter on everyone's mind right now. She did the, the fan q and I believe it was in Abu Dhabi, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, she stared down with Henry Cejudo. Uh, she challenged uh, Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, there's a lot. She's... she She's... She's on the forefront of everyone's mind in the fight game right now. Uh, but I would like to see her fight, Michelle, Joanna uh, and JJ. I went on record saying if Tatiana, but again, Tatiana Suarez is still out there. Uh, when, when, again, and this just shows you how fast people change. When she fought Nina Ansarov, a lot of people were calling Tatiana Suarez the uncrowned champion. They were calling her the best fighter at strawweight. Uh, and then she hurt her neck. Uh, and then Wiley Zhang got the title fight. And she was like, good luck. Like, I'm still recovering. So I don't know. Uh, I spoke to her on the red carpet. She said she was getting better, but she wasn't 100% yet. That was back in July. So I don't know. Uh, Tatiana Suarez is still out there. i like to see her fight Zhang. i like to see Tatiana Suarez fight Joanna and Jaychik. But again, it just shows you how fast people change because now Tatiana Suarez isn't even in the conversation we're having right now. I had to bring her up. So uh, again, Wiley Zhang versus fill in the blank. I'll watch that. I don't want to see. I don't want to hear this talk about her fighting Valentina yet because she hasn't even defended her title yet. So, I, I didn't like it when Henry Cejudo fought uh, TJ Dillashaw right away. But I guess yes, that was a title defense, uh, and then he went up to bantamweight. So I guess that's a little different. But defend your title a few times and then move up. Ioana and JJ even said that like if she had beaten Rose the first time, she would have tried to go up to flyaway, but she lost and then ended up rematch. But uh, we're gonna move right along. Uh, a lot of people saying the Echo is fixed. I hope the
0: echo is fixed. One, one thing. Uh, I, I, I did want to touch upon the Suarez thing quickly, and I'll just say her that close win over Ansarov was probably the best thing actually that could happen to her because look, we just talked about the exposing weaknesses thing. We saw a lot of of uh, you know what deficiencies Suarez still has to work on. She's still a top le- level fighter. She still has the potential to be the champion. But uh, the one that fought Ansarov, uh, whatever that product. I don't know if that would have beaten Zhang or even a Jovanja Jacak or or Jessica Andrade. We don't know. So uh, so Tatiana Suarez for sure is um uh is still a contender. But it, I'm it's actually good. It's actually good she had that close fight. She'll be even better for it. And we we didn't mention the the Jose Aldo thing. Uh uh Jose But look, I think I think you can kind of look to one of our previous answers. It's it's another case of he's probably just sitting on the sidelines waiting to see how the rest of the division unfolds. A lot of these guys have matchups. Um, a lot of guys have of matchups. A lot of guys in the top ten he's already fought and aren't necessarily intriguing rematch options. So uh, I know that's kind of a boring answer. Whereas Jose, he's kind of just playing it safe. I think right now, just resting, relaxing. He had, he's at the point of his career. I know he has an eight fight deal, but he's he sh- he should be very picky about his fights, and that's just probably what he's doing right now.
1: I agree. Um... I forgot. I, I, I apologize for skipping over that last part, Trumbo, um, but I know Brian Ortega has said he wanted to fight him, but he wants that Korean Zombie fight. I would love maybe yeah. Korean Zombie, Aldo two, that rematch, uh, Korean Zombie gets a full camp because he took, I believe it was originally going to be Jose Aldo versus Anthony Pettis. And I want to say it was UFC 163, that was in Rio, and then Pettis fell out and the Korean Zombie stepped in like last minute, and that was his last fight for a while, I believe, that was his last fight, and then he came back and fought uh, Dennis Bermudez on that that uh, Houston card. I, be- I, can't, I can't quite remember the exact yeah. card, but uh, it was the Super Bowl weekend one. I just can't remember where. That was the Andrade and Angela Hill card, if I'm not mistaken, too. Uh, so there's a lot of featherweight fights. Again, this this upcoming weekend, no one's even asked about it. We have Yair Rodriguez versus Jeremy Stevens. Aldo already has the over Jeremy Stevens, but like Yair Rodriguez versus Jose Aldo. Uh, Yair Rodriguez on a two-fight win streak. Uh, Frank Edgar is no longer in the division, so Jose Aldo is obviously never going to fight him again regardless because he already has two wins over him. So uh, Yair Rodriguez versus Jose Aldo would be awesome. Jose Aldo versus Brian Ortega, Korean Zombie. Uh, I know Zabit and Calvin Cater have a big fight coming up now at UFC Moscow. That's in November. So, But like you said, Jose Aldo can be picky. I know he really likes to fight in Brazil. They have that Sao Paulo card coming up. I think it might be a little too late or maybe... Now would be it would have to be now if he's gonna get on that card. Or maybe he's in camp and we just don't know. Uh I know our own Guillermo Cruz is has covered Brazil like no one else in the MMA game. So it may I ask Gee and then we'll get back to you. But we're gonna move right along. From Diamond, I but he spelled the I apologize if I'm mispronouncing wrong. He spelled a little or, or spelled a little different differently. Another Colby Covington question. Since Colby has seemingly turned into a negotiator as a claim Donald Trump, by which I mean he's awful and seemingly bent. Over, okay, I'm not going to read all that. Uh, does the welterweight division just move on without him? He conveniently finds ways to keep, to keep himself next in line while turn, turning down title fights against fighters whose, whose main strength is arguably better than his own. Ty Woodley, better wrestler than Colby. Kamar Usman, better wrestler than Kobe. Does he just up his up this dog and pony show until the title is on the hands of someone he thinks he has a better chance against? Or does the UFC <laughs> finally tell him to take the title shot they offered or drop down the rankings? That I don't, I don't think that's the case at all. I think Colby Colby Covington is as confident as they come, whether he whether you believe he can win or not, I know he believes he can beat Tyron Woodley. I know he believes he can beat Kamar Usman. So your thoughts on this question that I don't
0: necessarily yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't want to gloss over it, but we did kind of cover it earlier with a lot of the welterweight talk. I know, uh, so for anyone who didn't tune in, just saying that, uh, uh, you know, again, yeah, I think Colby is, as far as the negotiations go, uh, I think his side of the story is convincing that, that you know, the UFC hasn't necessarily put their best foot forward as far as compensating him. I, I agree. I don't I don't think he's afraid of, of Woodley or Usman. I'm, I'm sure he's taking them seriously. I know he's going to say a lot of, I know he's talked a lot of crap about both of them, but I guarantee the real Colby Cummington, whatever that is, uh, it has probably the greatest respect for Woodley and Usman, at least as competitors. And uh, you know he'd prepare. You know he he would be fully prepared for. It. I think he's a great. I actually think he's a great matchup for both guys. Would I pick him over Woodley or Usman? I don't know yet. I mean, again, until those fights happen, I'm not. I haven't really put a great amount of thought into it. But um, to rule him out and to say that he's like ducking them and using this financial, whatever, financial excuse to not fight them, uh, I think is totally incorrect. Um, and, and and I think, like I said, I still think that Usman-Covington fight happens at some point. I, I don't know how. I, I hope the UFC makes it right for both fighters, but uh, I think at some point it's it is going to happen.
1: I agree. It has to happen. I don't know if I would favor. I also favored Robbie Lawler slightly over uh, Colby Covington, so I was guilty of that, and we saw how that turned out. Colby Covington set a bunch of records for like most significant strikes in a five-round fight. But right. we're gonna jump to Twitter, and again, you can use hashtag the A side on Twitter. I know a lot of you say we never look at Twitter, but a lot of the questions on Twitter are also on the site, and I don't want to yeah. double up or waste anyone's time. But very interesting question from at StrikeMXNYC on Twitter. Move up or wait it out after one or two title fight losses. Which is the better strategy here? Fighters like Edgar, then Aldo, Woodley, and Romero have spent multiple years waiting for a champ to lose rather than moving up. Is this wasted years and damage? This is a very interesting question on people like uh, Yoel Romero has lost to Robert Whitaker twice, like Frank Yeager lost to Jose Aldo uh, twice, um, uh, Stephen Thompson lost to Ty and Woodley. I don't think if they're like, if they, are, if they can make the wait and if they feel they are undersized or there's a if they have a teammate in another weight class like like you saw Daniel Cormier and Cain Velasquez do it like the only reason Daniel Cormier went down is cuz Cain Velasquez was the champion he was at the top of the division so he just didn't want to fight his champion i don't like telling fighters to move up or down especially if like they're if they're losing like so you lost to Robert Whittaker twice who are you losing to you're not losing to scrubs. You're not losing to unranked fighters. You're losing to the champion. And a lot of people think he all Romero won the second fight. A lot of people would favor uh, Stephen Thompson. Like that Stephen Thompson fight, yes, he did lose to Ty and Woodley in that second fight. But you remember that? When that fight happened, it was like 25 minutes. And I, I'm not one of those fighters that calls it a boring fight. I do understand game plans. But like, you remember that fight. It was a lot of circling and circling and circling. I'm not criticizing it. I get it. I get what Ty and Woodley's game plan was. Uh, but then like, Frank Edgar loses to the greatest featherweight twice in like decisions. He's not getting the doors blown off of him. Uh, he's and so again, these guys are losing to the best of the best. And say Israel Adesanya wins, and say Yoel Mero had beaten Paulo Costa, and then Israel Adesanya beats Robert Whittaker, Yoel Romero probably getting a title shot right away. So yes, Alex, very interesting question. What's better after losing one or two title title fights, moving up like Yohan and and challenging for in, in a new weight class, or? Waiting it out and seeing if that if that champion loses. You know
0: that's a great question. Uh, and again, like you know, like you said, depending on the weight class uh, and w- which one they're moving from, then it, it, it's a different answer. The, as far as the Ojaisic uh, thing goes, I, I really wish that she had not gotten the immediate title fight. I really wish that any time someone changed weight classes, unless there's a really good reason for it, that they didn't get an immediate title fight. Again, I, again, I, I know Joanna was a dominant champion for so long. Uh, and <laughs> frankly, I, a, a lot of the uh, women's flyweight contenders are not that appealing to a lot of the fans. That's fine. I mean, uh, I, I think there's it's a, there's a pretty good division, but it's fine. I, the name value isn't there yet. Joanna made sense at the time Um, when Edgar changed divisions to go fight Jose Aldo. Uh, I think I think we said before that was a that was not what was originally planned. Unfortunately, so Ed, so that shouldn't have happened. But Edgar had the name at the time. He he was coming off a lot of close fights, even though he lost uh, some of those title fights. So they made that happen. I I I'll say I wish. Unless fans, you can tell there's a strong fan demand for it, that that they wouldn't immediately throw guys into um, title fights when they change divisions. But I, I understand that happens. happens. Uh, is it better to change? Look, it's, it's so much easier for us as fans to say, oh, just go up. Just go up and wait. Or go down, what have you. But, I mean, it's easier to say go up. I know a lot of fans say, this guy has trouble making this weight, and he's lost two straight fights. Why not just go up? These fighters... They, one thing they know their bodies way better than we do, obviously. And then secondly, they 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 have a certain way they like doing things. Like we said, Romero, we brought up Romero. I know we know he has trouble making weight, but he likes fighting 185. Look, that that to him in his mind and to his team, that's his ideal weight class. To to, to changing it up, going up to 205, that's just not gonna. That's not magically gonna fix things. Uh, will it create some fresh matchups? Will it make things easier for the UFC officials? You know, when they're booking new stuff, yeah, sure they'd love it. I'm sure they love when guys change fights, but for the fighters themselves. Man, they can't be making that decision willy-nilly. That's huge. That's a huge thing to change weight classes, and it has worked out great for a lot of people. Robert Whitaker, you know, he tried 170 for a bit. It was, just, it wasn't great. It was middleweight, fantastic. You know, there's a lot of of uh, of great scenarios. There's a lot of bad. Uh, so I'll say, I th- I think it's better if guys can stick it out in their weight class and wait it out. I'm I'm of the wait it out camp. I'm not of the immediately change weight classes thing, even though I know it's um uh, it's much fresher and fun for us fans to see that happen.
1: And I'm going to add something that I just thought of. I know you were backstage with me at UC240 in Edmonton. Michael Chiesa was back there. And our own Casey Lydon asked him, like, if lightweight was so difficult to make, like, he was struggling to make lightweight, the 155-pound weight limit. And uh, he said it kind of messed with his life because he was always making sure he was he would be ready. So he was always thinking about the weight cut, even if he wasn't in camp. Um, and Casey was like, why would you – like, if it was so hard, why would you even fight there? And he goes – I was top 10, top five. It's hard to leave when you're in, like, you don't want to start over. Like, when you're in that upper echelon, you don't want to change camps, and all of a sudden you have to start over down at the bottom. Like, you saw people like Dustin Poirier. He did that. He was in the upper echelon of Featherweight. He loses to Conor McGregor, and then he goes up to lightweight and basically has to restart. Like, he has to fight the, like, he fought Yancey Medeiros, and he fought the Bobby Greens, and then he fought Michael Johnson and lost, and then he kept going, and going, going, and eventually got the title, but... Some fighters like Yo Romero, who's on the wrong side of 40, they just don't want to restart. They want to stick with, like, if they can make the weight and they don't want to, they they basically, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And yes, Yo Romero has missed weight a few times, but he made weight last time. So if he can keep making the weight, stay at 185. But if it's really that unhealthy to make it and you're depleting your body, then yeah, go up and wait. But I get it's hard. Mike Lease, I think, put it perfectly. Like, when you're in that echelon where you're one or two wins away from a title fight, you don't want to start down unranked again unless you're like a Nate Diaz or a Conor McGregor, where rankings don't matter to you and you're such a big draw that you can get titled by right away. But I think you said it perfectly. Uh don't mess with it if it's not broken. But we're gonna, we're running a little long on time. Alex, I have a question for you specifically from William Lie888 on Twitter. Is there going to be an episode? And my question, I and question, why does Alex Lee have the nickname the bad boy? It doesn't seem fitting at all. Jose, you have the nickname Friendly Hair from Mike Perry. Mark Raimondi had the nickname Marundi from Daniel Cormier. Those make sense. Why, Alex, is your nickname the best? Ba- uh,
0: what's this guy's name? Well, listen, okay, doesn't matter. Listen, listen uh, question asker. Um, first of all, I didn't give myself the nickname as, as with all great nicknames, they are bestowed upon you and not so great nicknames maybe, which might be the case here. Uh, I'm from the main streets of uh, uptown Markham, Ontario. Okay. It's pretty rough out here. If you could look out my window, you'd see, I'm I'm actually, it's actually pretty nice outside today, but I mean, you know, just, just take my word for it. It's, gets pretty rough out on these streets. You can probably tell from the way I talk from the way I dress. I'm a, I'm a kind of a rough guy. You know, I, I kind of came, came up from the dirt. Uh, I've also got a mean scar, which I don't know if you can quite make out on the broadcast. But it's again, if you knew the story, you'd be like, man, maybe maybe bad boy uh, isn't extreme enough. So, uh, again, not a name I chose, but I welcome it. If anyone wants to keep if you ever see me and you want to shout out, hey, bad boy on the street, I respond to it. I don't love it. Uh, Like I said, I'm professional now. I thought I'd left those days behind me. But uh, what can I do? That is that is what they call me.
1: Dear God, that's not the
0: question I thought I was going to get. But with
1: that, I don't see any more questions, and if I do, I see the same questions on Twitter that were on the site. So I apologize. Maybe next week we'll start on Twitter. Uh, I think Daniel Segura is going to be here next time because he was he's in Mexico City, as we said. So um, he'll we'll get the fallout from him. But Alex, as always, the floor is yours for any promo. You are at USC Vancouver. I know we got a few questions. We didn't get to really talk about Justin Gaethje or. Uh, Habib or Donald
0: Cerrone or anything. So the floor is yours on what you want to talk about. You know, it's funny. I actually want to talk about, uh, because I I, I regret that we haven't covered this a little more on our site, Uh, Legacy Fighting Alliance. You know, Legacy Fighting Alliance... A great, great regional promotion. It's almost weird to call them a regional promotion um, because they're they're right in that middle. They're kind of a feeder league for the UFC, and, uh, and they're open about it. You know, they've had a great relationship with the UFC, sending talent up there. Uh, unfortunately, they will no longer be on Access TV, uh, Canada Zone, Anthem Sports and Entertainment, uh, purchase Access TV, and Legacy Fighting Alliance uh, cards will no longer be part of the programming. So, uh, they have three upcoming cards. I don't know where they're going to air. But uh, please keep supporting that promotion. I, I think there's a strong buzz. Uh, nothing official, obviously, but a strong buzz around them. Probably ending up on UFC Fight Pass at some point in the future. It just makes sense. Like we said, great relationship with the UFC. So many of their fighters go on, um, go on to fight there. Uh, names like, and by the way, this is I'm combining um, when they were the Resurrection Fighting Alliance and Legacy Fighting Championship. Combining, they combined to make Legacy Fighting Alliance. But the lineage, uh, guys like um, Carlos Diego Fajera, uh Holly Holm, Sage Northcutt. Uh, Mackenzie Dern, Valentina Shevchenko, a, a whole, a whole, whole bunch of people. Ray Borg, uh, people who have had passed through that promotion before going to the UFC. So again, it, it is a little bit of a shame because I thought that Access TV's coverage was was spectacular. So credit to all the guys on the uh, Access TV fights team um, who were, who were who were doing the commentary and doing the reporting and doing all the work uh, uh, back. So, yeah, Sean Grabin, uh, part of the PR team for for uh, Access TV, who I always appreciate, um, among others. So yeah, I just want to say. Uh, Kudos to uh, LFA for having a good run on Access TV, and uh, hopefully they land on their feet, whether it's UFC Fight Passer or, or somewhere else.
1: Well said. I've always liked working with Sean and the LFA people. I always, whenever they're in town and I'm not at a UFC or a Bellator or any other fight weeks, so I usually walk down and check them out. There's usually a lot of UFC talent, uh, especially from the MMA Lab and Fight Ready, walking around the uh, the the crowd. It's, it's, it's a very interesting scene where you see a lot of UFC fighters cheering on their teammates that they. They see every day in the gym and they're not fighting. They're not in the corner. They're just normal fans. So it is a very fascinating scene if anyone's ever been. But for my promo, because I accidentally skipped over this question about Gaethje versus Habib and Tony, so I'll just use this. Uh, I said this on, this is an MMA show when I did Book It. Uh, I think Justin Gaethje versus the winner of Habib versus uh, Tony Ferguson, whenever that happens, uh, I don't really care who he fights. Like I've said this a thousand times. I'll watch Justin Gaethje fight a tree. Like, I'll watch Justin Gaethje fight anyone. Like, I really think he's the most exciting fighter in the UFC. Yes, Habib is the most dominant wrestler right now. Jon Jones is the longest reigning champion, the most dominant champion. I think Habib is the most dominant champion right this second, but I think Justin Gaethje is the most exciting fighter on the UFC's roster right now. Uh, he knocked out Don Cerrone this past weekend at UFC Vancouver. I I complete. I agree with the stoppers. If anything, it might have been a little late. I know Don Cerrone thought it was a little early, but I thought it was actually kind of late. Um, I think Justin Gaethje, his elite, not elite, but his wrestling background versus Habib's skill set, which is the best wrestler in the UFC right now. There's a lot of questions for Habib. Can he fight someone with that level of wrestling to go along with a chin of grand and striking? And then Justin Gaethje himself said, you were there. He said he would want to fight Tony Ferguson and then re-watch it as a fan just based on their style of fighting. And then I would 100% favor Justin Gaethje against Conor McGregor. Uh, I think if I'm Conor McGregor's team, I'm like, don't take that fight because that's not the fight you want. He's a really he's an elite wrestler with an endless supply of cardio uh, who puts pressure on you. Not Conor McGregor's best, (laughs) not Conor McGregor's best uh, stylistic matchup. But I would watch Justin Gaethje versus any of those three. I would like to see him get a title shot next. Uh, But again, Habib versus Tony isn't even booked. So if you want to give Justin Gaethje a money fight, I know he's fought in World Series of Fighting. He's talked about wanting his money up front because he puts on such exciting performances. And if there's a guaranteed way you're going to get another bonus, it's fighting Conor McGregor and getting not just a post-fight bonus, but a real good bump in pay. So I think he deserves it. I think if he beats Conor McGregor, there's no question he gets that nice title fight. I think he already deserves a title fight. But give him Conor McGregor, similar to when Daniel Cormier like like that was linked with Brock Lesnar and he wanted. we all agreed like, yes, Daniel Cormier deserves that. Justin Gaethje deserves it. He's been putting on great wars for years. I was there for both of his fights against Luis Palomino at World Series of Fighting. And I'm just like, dude, you're killing yourself. And like 400, 500 people are watching this right now. Like, calm down, man. Give him Conor McGregor. He deserves it.
0: That's my promo. Alex, anything else you want to say before we wrap? Uh, Tony Ferguson is gonna beat Khabib and then uh, beat Justin Gaethje anyway. So uh, that was a great that was a great spiel, but Tony Ferguson is gonna beat them all anyway.
1: <laughs> I'm talking and I, I'm talking and I'm muted. Uh, you you're telling me just because you think Tony Ferguson is gonna win those two fights means you're not gonna watch it? That's a lie. You're gonna watch them no matter what. Both of those fights are exciting, but for me, I'm Jose. That's Alex. This has been the A-Side Live Chat as always. It's going to be on Apple Podcasts. It's going to be on Stitcher. It's going to be on Spotify. It's going to be here on YouTube. We're going to, I'll, I'll tweet all the links out. Thank you for bearing with us. I think the audio has been fixed. I'm seeing a lot of the comments saying it's fixed. We'll be back next week. Daniel Segura will be here to talk UFC Mexico City Fallout, which goes down this Saturday when Yair Rodriguez fights Jeremy Stevens. That's an awesome fight. None of you asked about it, but that's an awesome fight. Alexa Gras is on the card. Carlos Spar is on the card. Brandon Moreno returns to the UFC. He's on that card. So watch it, uh, even if Brian Ortega's not on it. Broken heart. But I'm Jose. That's Alex. We're out.